Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today, I have with me Max from Galaxy of Films. He is more than a film critic. He's more than uh, business. Uh, him and his partner have one of the greatest movie review shows in podcasting. I'm going to pass it along to Max real quick so he can introduce himself, tell you about his partner, and tell you about what's going on with those guys. And they have an extra mini series inside their podcast so that you all can get familiar with him. So go ahead, Max. The floor is yours. Hey, thanks for having me on, JR. Um, I'm Max from Galaxy of Film. JR's been on our show quite a bit, actually, a few times now. Um, over at Galaxy of Film, we primarily have the podcast from my co-host Danilo and I. Um, every week we pick at least two movies that try to go hand in hand with each other, whether it be uh, a genre, director, the same year release, an actor, and we, we discuss them. You know, We break them down as well as going through some weekly news and some television shows we're watching. Um, here and there, we have the exception of two movies that just don't make sense and they end up together somehow. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the fun with it. But yeah, we also have a sub-series called LFG. Um, I'm not going to be as vulgar as I am on Galaxy of Film, but we, yeah, we have the LFG series. Um, and that's kind of like a kind of like a mini review series we have where it's something we want to discuss that very week, but it just doesn't have enough uh, enough content to make it onto the main show. So we'll do something smaller with it just so it's covered. But we also have a YouTube channel called Galaxy of Film Productions where we're creating some short film content and putting it up there. And also posting some vlog series whenever we get together and for events and whatnot. So currently, we're working on the New York vlog series from a trip Daniel and I recently took with our graphic designer, Mason. Um, that was back in December. So we're working on that. That's been a weekly thing. But yeah, we have a lot of fun over at Galaxy of Film, man. It's, it's definitely um, an experience, for sure. And uh, one other thing I want to do, put in here that Max did not put in here. Um, they have an amazing panel of guests. I have met. Two people from his show, Brian and the other guy. Oh my God, I forgot his name. When we did the episode about uh, Snake Bliskin, what was his name? Oh, that's Alex from Drink yeah. and the Movies. Yeah, yeah. Both of those two amazing guys. Uh, me and Brian got something cooked up with Star Wars later. Um, okay. Yeah, definitely have to talk to you about that. Later. We're seeing the Batman next week together, actually. Oh, wow, and I forgot about the Batman. I need to go see it. March fifth, right? Um, I think, yeah, the fifth or sixth, either one of those. Okay, definitely need to check that out. I got tickets but, for that March 1st showing though, on that Tuesday. Oh, see, advance. That's what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. guys. Definitely, when you hear this episode, understand that they stay deep within cinematography, every form of cinema. Now, the movie we're here to talk about today, this is a pride and joy of mine. I was born in 1985. This film came out in 1986. Uh, the Transformers 35th Anniversary 4K Edition. Um, just a little background here real quick uh, on this film. I'm going to pass this along actually to Max because Max's partner Danilo normally does the the middle uh, the premise of the film. I'm going to switch roles here real quick, and I'm not going to be Danilo. I'm going to let Max be Danilo. Can you give us a quick synopsis of this film? And we'll dig into. Yeah, it. I'm very glad I just rewatched this thing because this movie is a haze in memory <laughs> um, as far as pacing goes. Um, Gosh, this is going to sound terrible. This is why I have to kneel to do this on a weekly basis. <laughs> right. Well, I had to turn the tables on you. You should see his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, first off, this movie is kind of like a big music video in a sense. This is, you ever see the movie called Heavy Metal? Yes. That's what it's influenced by Heavy Metal, the magazines yeah. and stuff. Yeah. This is Heavy Metal for kids. Um, and I mean that in the best way possible because <laughs> I also love Heavy Metal um so basically the movie just kind of starts out of nowhere there's this big space 
Transformer called Unicron. And he's kind of like the ultimate evil. He's as if the Death Star from Star Wars was a Transformer. Like, he, he's insane, man. Um, he just kind of comes out of space and is heading toward... He's taking. He's knocking out some planets in the way, but he's heading towards Cybertron, right? Um, and in the process, the Autobots are wanting to retake over Cybertron from the Decepticons. They're at war. Um, they get ambushed by the Decepticons while reading resources. Um, we get a really insane fight scene between Optimus Prime and Megatron, which ultimately Optimus Prime dies from. Um, the Matrix is then given to uh, Ultra Magnus is his name, right? Yeah, he's kind of soft in the game. I do want to add that in there. Ultra Magnus was not that tough, but he did get it. Yeah, Ultra Magnus got it. And then, um, it, oh, then Megatron almost dies and is he's kind of like Super Saiyan up. From Omicron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Galvatron is his name, his his upgraded name. Um, and it's just continuing on the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons. And, you know, also the Dinobots are thrown in there as well, as well. Grimlock, who is my favorite character in Transformers, is very prominent through this. So I'm very happy. Um, then ultimately, the Autobots and Decepticons kind of have to come together to defeat Unicron. Um, then we get a good fight between Hot Rod and Galvatron in which Hot Rod turns into Rodimus Prime and defeats Galvatron. And then the movie kind of ends from that point. <laughs> and that's the movie. Uh, some key things I want to jump into. Now I'm taking over your role, kind of. Um, this saw an amazing fight at the very beginning. It was kind of a cheap fight. Optimus Prime versus Megatron. Mm-hmm. They were, they're really fighting each other. Like, you know, Optimus Prime is giving them business, and then he's always got some kind of rhetoric about being noble and this, this, and that. And he, one of the famous lines that he says is something to the extent of... Uh, I thought you were made a better steel or something like that to Megatron. Yeah. Megatron tries to get the gun. Hot Rod does some extra stuff. And then we get to a point. Uh, in this fight, Ultimus Prime takes some hits. Uh, hmm. Megatron pulls out the little sword arc that he has, cuts him up a little bit. You know, Megatron's a bad guy. And I want to ask you this. My opinion is if Hot Rod hadn't gotten involved, Megatron wouldn't have pretty much won that fight, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Optimus would be alive. Yeah, and then we go to the thing that, like, this haunted my childhood. I mean, I didn't really think about mm. it too much. But uh, mind you, if the movie came out in 86, I watched this again in, like, 1989 or 90. And by that okay. time, Transformers had, you know, characters were big and stuff like that, whatever. Um, so Optimus Prime dies. Like, he pulls the, um, the Matrix the of leadership out of his chest, and he it drops. Hot Rod mm-hmm. picks it up, like we both know. And next thing you know, uh, we've got Ultra Magnus. Now, no offense, Ultra Magnus, and uh, later on in comic books, Ultra Magnus has a certain type of prowess to him. But at this point in life, uh, nobody cares about Ultra Magnus. He kind of looks like the Kmart version of, or the Target version of uh, Optimus Prime. He's not, he looks cheaper. Yeah, he does, man. He does look like a Kmart version. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you said that because, uh, oddly enough, I affiliate Transformers with Kmart. That's always what I would buy from Kmart when they were around. <laughs> Okay, so right there, yeah, he was like the Kmart version, and his leadership was even weak. Like, and this is, you know, as an adult now, we can see these these concepts and different things. Like, I'm like, they even make him weak. Like when the ship is breaks apart and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he's not. He was never a strong leader. So, um, I'll let you go into detail about Ultra Magnus. What happens to him? Dude, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't like Ultra Magnus at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one to talk about Ultra Magnus. Um, 
I think he's just like you said, man, a knockoff of Optimus Prime. Like I could not care less about him because he feels so secondhand. Like in the franchise in general, I'm not an Ultra Magnus fan. Never have, will, never will be. And the thing is, Gavotron in this, this, this is like he is a beast. He comes through, like you said, in Super Saiyan mode. Starscream doesn't even get to be the leader of the Decepticons more than 30 seconds. Yeah. And he's just obliterated. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and the thing about this, like, you know, I'm thinking about to the childhood, it's like Starscream was never a big character, but the thing is, the voice of him was Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. from the animated series. So a lot of people took in turn, you know, this is Cobra Commander just getting killed with the quickness. Like, he didn't have a chance. So Gellatron is so powerful. He kills him. Uh, he goes along. Uh, Ultra Magnus meets a similar fate. Uh, and then the one interesting thing here is that you have these British or or um, Australian-type uh, junk robots later on down uh, on the planet of junk that help the Autobots. And uh, the, the lingo that they talk about, they talk real fast. So they have uh, different things. They were talking about the spaceship when, when it was coming out out of the ground. And one of them said, this is a luxurious, sexy vehicle. And I'm like, this is a child's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a child's movie. But, but but later on, um, after reading reviews and different things from the creators uh, over the years, I found this one simple thing before we go any further in this. The, the actual reason for killing off Optimus Prime was a business decision. Okay. It, it was only to line up new toys. Ultra Magnus was supposed to be the new Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. And obviously, someone in the middle of that decided, oh, Optimus, Optimus Ultra Magnus was not going to be this guy. Mm. And it was going to be Hot Rod. So leading into whatever they planned, uh, obviously it didn't work out too well because Optimus Prime came back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I really thought that that was really wild. And inside movie reviews, we never talk about what the movie cost or what or anything like that. But I want to bring this to light. This movie cost right around $6 million to make. Okay. This, this movie only netted back $5.8 million. And this is in a different time when VHS and, you know, this stuff is not going to ever make it to TV until at least the 90s. Yeah. In, in the way that movies were done then. So for it to break even like that, this movie is what we always consider a cult classic. It, it was not by far not a success. Uh, the, the strategic planning of Marvel being involved in this, I, I don't understand that. When Hasbro and, uh, what is it, Takara was the, uh, the official maker of the, the Gen 1 toys. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand like why they didn't do more to promote this and make it bigger. But um, with each of them getting back inside the movie, what was your favorite takes in this movie? Oh uh, man, you bring up the the junk planet, the trash planet. So yes. in this the sequence when they're getting help from the the locals, they're they're introducing each other, they're introducing themselves to each other basically. It's the first exchange of words. I don't know whose idea it was behind the movie or the studios or whatever to who thought it would be a great idea to have weird owls dare to be stupid playing in the background but i love it i'm a massive weird owl fan it makes zero sense um it it looks a little messed up (laughs) low-key um but it works it just works somehow and there's also this exchange during during the monologue because like i said um this whole movie feels like a music video constantly and while the music's playing, the music tones down for a second. And Grimlock, for whatever reason, 
this other Autobot kisses Grimlock. And he, he, he goes off. He's like, ah, Grimlock, no need kiss. He is king or something like that. And it is by far my favorite thing about this movie. Because <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense. The music choice, why this, this Autobot decided to kiss Grimlock, it, it's wonderful. It describes this movie perfectly, in my opinion. I love it. <laughs> okay. And, and another take, I'm going to go back to the very beginning of the movie because I forgot okay. about this. The actual music that starts playing when Optimus Prime says his normal parables and he's about to go fight Megatron. Uh, I forgot the You Gotta Fight was the, the song that they used. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of this, you know, and a lot of this the music for soundtrack is kind of weird because it's like this should be in some type of karate movie or something from the 80s. Something inspirational, yeah. Yeah, it should be in like a you know big, big trouble with Little China type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so you know, Optimus Prime's getting ready, and he's like, Autobots transform, and they do that slow transform, mm-hmm. and then they're ready to go. So the music's all hype, and that music just now that I hear it, it's like this song set him up to take an ass whooping. And <laughs> <laughs> that's just my take. I'm like, because anytime that Galvatron's on there, he's got tough like techno. Well, just you know, electronic music playing. He never gets anything tough when he's killing these dudes. He's just, you know, he just bam, just mm-hmm. turns to, to the gun and just kills them. So, outside of that, the actual animation inside this, uh, I, I do dare tell everyone because everybody knows about my different things that I do with cinema. I dare you to go get the still box of this. The the animation for its time, I compare it to Five O Goes West. I don't know if you've ever seen that or American Tale. Mm. Um, this animation at that time period up until maybe the middle of the 90s wasn't nothing that could really touch this because that animation was just on point like I don't I'm not trying to be like a full heavy fanboy on that or anything but the animation like it made me wonder why we're not still getting cartoons like this I mean I understand we have cell shading and different things but that type of animation we don't see anymore and that's one thing that gripped me so let's move on to the rough points what Makes you not want to watch this movie again. Oh, the fact that it is is a music video, so it's a blessing and a curse. Um, I think the inspiration from heavy metal is, is a wonderful thing in this. But even I was rewatching heavy metal a couple weeks ago. I have to be in a very specific mood to want to watch either of these movies. Um, and more so because you know, heavy metal is more of an anthology thing compared to Transformers. Yes. Um, Millie takes that music music inspiration, but with Transformers, a lot of this blends together. Like, I think for so I do have the Steelbook from Shout Factory right here. I got it physically for the 35th anniversary Ooh. last year. It's it's a good set. Um, I pre-ordered it and everything. Before I bought this 4K, I also had the Blu-ray Steelbook that I got maybe a year prior, and so I got that when gosh, I was 20. 1920 is when I got the, the Blu-ray, the, the Shout Factory Blu-ray. Watched it for the first time, and I realized this is not my first time watching that. I've seen this thing in its entirety plenty of times out of order over the years. And I'm like, wow, was it really out of order, or did it just all blend together and feel like episodes? Because, like, looking visually at this, I think the art style is gorgeous. The animation is fantastic. But if you were to take a regular screen grab of, of a scene, of just a, like a B scene, something that's not very plot def, uh, definitive in this movie, I would affiliate with the cartoon automatically. Okay. Like that's it, one, one of the biggest things for me too. I wish it was a bit more defined. Despite it being gorgeous, 
maybe if it was a bit bolder, if there was a bit more going on screen in every scene. Um, those are my only downsides of it, really, though. But then again, the music thing also, it works. It, it's, it's the charm of this movie. But part of it just makes it forgettable because I've been watching this movie since I was like eight or nine years old, I'd say. This is what got me into Transformers as a kid, actually. No, even earlier than that, because I sold 2007 in theaters, I'd say like five or six. Now I think about it, like I watched this very early on. New Rodimus Prime, remember seeing um, Grimlock, um, remember Optimus dying. And up until two years ago, I could not remember it was all in one story. Right. It feels like it was like after season one, because like like you said, uh, this takes 20 years. This takes place 20 years after season one. Yeah. So so when you go back to actual Gen 1 stuff, because I know you probably have the Gen 1 uh, set somewhere. I don't. I've been looking for it for a long time, though. I need to get it myself. But uh, I did. I mean, I have memories. And like you said, I'm even making it back to my childhood. And I will have to agree. That is kind of a disclaimer. Like that kind of would throw me off because if you watch the regular show and then watch this, mm-hmm. it's like wow. And then when you look at the historical aspects of the Great Toy Massacre of 1986, with all these characters died, um, <clears throat> I can see where it kind of would throw you off a little bit about this movie. Um, my opinion is this is what bothered me about it. This movie had stacked uh, voice actors, uh, Orson Welles as as um, Unicron. Orson Welles is one of our most decorated actors ever. Um, so nobody, and they had Leonard Nimoy. Those are the two that I'm going to say because Leonard Nimoy, Spock. Uh, Judd Nelson also, but everybody knows Judd Nelson. He's got enough movies. Uh, the voice acting for this is, outside of those three that I named, later on down the road for the stuff that we're, we've grown up with, that's a who's who of voice actors. Yeah. Um, but I just I just feel like that when you listen to, like, if you've seen Beast Wars and different stuff like that, they, the stories that went, went along with Beast Wars and everything else that's come out since then, Armada, whatever, animation-wise, this movie just falls flat. Like, it doesn't seem like, he said, it seems like it's just broken up episodes. It seems like it's a weekend special that someone made for Saturday evening watching or something in the 80s. So, so I do take that away from it. But the one thing that, that I love about all cult followings in, with the re-releases uh, this movie in 2021 got a, an amazing re-release. It did, you're right. Yeah, and um, I missed it for the simple fact, you know, with COVID being all crazy and stuff. Um, I think on the big screen it would have been better, and obviously in the different viewing ways that I view it, uh, sound-wise, it's amazing when you have mm-hmm. it hooked up to something. But listening to a close corner in my ears on a computer or something like that, or you know, just any any type of headphone. It's a lot of distortion and a lot of crackling and weird stuff for this being a 4K movie that's been redone and sound quality should be good. That's the only takeaway that I take away from this. So in finishing this up, Max, I need you to help me here with this. This movie, where does this fall in line with the animation movies that you've watched thus far in your illustrious movie reviewing career? Oh, we're talking like animated period? Period, yes. (sighs) Gosh, man. Nostalgic-wise, it's up there for me. It, it is definitely up there for me, just because this is something I, I watched as a kid. I remember um, one of my uncles buying the original Shout Factory DVD from FYE the day it came out, because I was over <laughs> there with him at his, at his house that summer or whatever. 
Um, and I remember like he gave me the lenticular slip cover. I still have that. It's somewhere in this room, actually. Um, it's up there for me, man. As far as far as nostalgia goes. Um, technically, though, I mean, like it's a cult classic. This is something like you have to enjoy it for what it is compared to critique it, I feel like. Um, yeah, it's up there for me. I, I can give you a proper rating if you want it, like out of out of ten. <laughs> right, yeah, let's, let's do that too. All right, man. Um, for, based off like nostalgia, I'm giving this an eight out of ten for sure. Um, there's there's some things wrong with it for sure. Um, that animation being the biggest thing in my opinion, but it's not enough to ruin the movie for me. I, when I think of this, I always have fond memories. Um, this is my third time or my second time rewatching this in the past six or seven months, I think, in the past year at least. Um, always a fun time. Always a fun watch. Always. Okay. And um, with that being said, uh, I want to say this about this movie. This movie ranks I'm gonna go one to ten. I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. I, because I'm a big fan of the GI Joe cartoon movie beforehand. Okay. I've never actually watched the GI Joe movie. It's a it's an amazing deal if you get a chance to watch it. Uh, they both fall in the same lines. Uh, when they both came out in the '80s, they came up against tough movies. Hmm. But the one saving grace that we do have from this whole deal is Unicron. Unicron um, at one point um, was the biggest Transformer figure ever made. Um, it's still on display in certain places. So Unicron has a has a place with me and with like the whole deal of Orson Wells. Him in this movie, just the way he his voice was for uh Unicron, it, it kind of commanded you because one thing I do want to go into an aspect of this, like he did not give Megatron a choice. No. <laughs> he very kindly told Megatron, This is what you're gonna do or you'll die. And mm. the way Orson Wells carried that, that was enough dynamic there. That whatever they paid him to be in the movie, because half the budget probably wasn't pay him to be in it. Um, you, you know, mm. that, that just sold it right there for me. So, um, outside of this, this is a great cult classic. And Max, I want to thank you for coming on and doing this with me. Um, the key thing here with with cult classic movies, and I always like to say this um, because if, I'll have you back later for some more stuff, and we'll be doing okay quite sweet. a bit of stuff in the future. Um, mm. cult, cult classics, like you said, they have a certain following. And the reason that they're cult classics is because they were misunderstood in their generation. And that's the key thing when you go watch these movies. That's the disclaimer that I give anybody. You go watch this. Go watch this with the mindset that this is a movie from the 1980s. This animation, it's not... It's stylized. You know, it's just yeah. very from the era. It is from the era. And, it, I mean, it's, it's not like it's Bluth um, animation. Bluth animation in that period was probably the best animation that was out there. Luth animation, the Lord of the Rings animated movies and stuff like that. You're not mm. going to catch that here. No, not whatsoever. Um, or the Hobbit type animation. But it's still a good good thing uh, to go see. So once again, I'm JR from West Virginia and Commonplace. And I have Max. Max, real quick, I need you to do something for me. Do the shameless plug. Plug everywhere you're at where people can meet and greet you and where they can catch the next episode of Galaxy Film and your subseries. Yeah, man. I'm for sure. Thanks for having me on, JR. It's always great collabing with you. Um like I said, guys, he's been on Galaxy of Film quite a few times. We talked Black Widow, Eternals. We we're talking Peacemaker soon in upcoming episode yes. as well. So stay tuned for that. I'm pretty sure I'm releasing that with our upcoming episode of the Batman because we're doing a DC special, also talking about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. 
Um, but yeah, if you want to check out Galaxy of Film, you can find us on most streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That's at Galaxy of Film. Our LFG sub-series is also uploaded on Galaxy of Film as just bonus content. That's free for everybody. There's no paywall. So you can check that as well. Um, for YouTube stuff, that's at Galaxy Film Productions on YouTube. Social media on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy of Film. Uh, we do have a Facebook fan group. We're trying to get a little bit more active. Our buddy Shamim runs called the Galaxy of Film like, fan page or fan group on Facebook. So join that if you want for some just overall film discussions. Um, I post a little sneak peek, some projects coming out on there every once in a while. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me personally, my personal social media is at Max the Suit Guy. Uh, it's on Instagram and Twitter as well. You can follow me there and just see what I do day to day. So, yeah. All right. And once again, this is JR from West Virginia Commonplace. And this has been a movie review episode of a cult classic, Transformers, the movie. Don't get it mistaken with the 2007 version. So once again, I'm signing off.